some of this stuff, I just think it's our job to just resolve and fix and handle and keep everybody happy and as, you know, cause the least amount of stress as possible. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Melissa McNamara of William Ravis Real Estate out of their Norwell office on the South Shore of Boston. Melissa is a real estate professional. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So Melissa, how long have you been a real estate professional? Uh, So I got my license in 2001. uh, So that would make me 20 years. Wow, congratulations. Congratulations on your 21st anniversary. Thanks. What made you get into it? Uh, so I was living up in Portland, Maine, going to University of Southern Maine in college, nannying for a nice uh, family, bartending at night on the weekends, and going to school. The woman that I nannied for owned a very small boutique real estate firm right up in Portland. And she'd come home from work. And I just kind of pick her brain and ask her a lot of questions. I was very, at a very young age, I was always kind of enthralled with houses and real estate. Um, so I would just pick her brain, ask her a lot of questions. And one day she just said, why don't you just get your real estate license? You should totally get your real estate license. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should. You know, I looked into it and didn't seem like it was a huge commitment schooling wise. Um, so I did. I went to real estate school, got my real estate license up there and sold there for about six years and then did a short little stint down in Atlanta, uh, worked for a Keller Williams because they're kind of the biggest company down there for about two years and then relocated back here to the South Shore and been hitting it ever since. That's really interesting. So Tell us the difference between the markets between Hmm. Portland, Atlanta, and the South Shore of Austin. Are there unique differences? Yeah. So, I mean, in 2001, if you recall, because you've been in the business a long time, totally different market. I mean, when I got into the business, it was, in my opinion, just the perfect time. It was, we had, if you remember, we had like, no income verification loans. It was all no doc loans. So it was almost anybody who wanted to buy a house could buy a house. And I love telling people that back in the day, it's not this way anymore, but um, working in the, in the restaurant business, you know, I worked with a lot of people who made, you know, money under the table and they were paying rent. And, you know, I got into real estate and I would go to work and I would say, hey, you know, you should buy a house. And they'd say, well, I don't, I don't have any money. I'm like, you don't need any money. You literally don't need any money. And I'm like, do you have good credit? Well, yeah, I have good credit. Okay. Um, you, perfect. Zero money down, right? Um, they had to, the requirement was obviously if they did an inspection, which everybody did, 
you'd need a few hundred bucks for an inspection. I'd pay for that out of pocket. Then they needed a couple hundred bucks for an appraisal. I would pay for that. And they would literally buy a house, not putting a penny down or a penny out of their pocket and own a piece of real estate for less than what they were paying monthly rent. Wow. And that was probably like a solid four to five year span. It was crazy. Now we know why the market crashed, but. But how grateful, how grateful must those people be to you to this day, to this day, if they bought in 2003 and were paying less than their rent, so they were making their payments and they held on, how much of an injection to their net worth did you help create for them? So it's funny, I, I think about it all the time and I actually still talk to several people that I sold houses to back then who are shockingly still in the same house, most of them, which is pretty funny, but own nothing at this point. I mean, the market there was obviously different. Um, values were much lower. So they were buying houses for, you know, 160 to maybe $220,000. That was kind of the, the market there. Um, but they're sitting on a really nice asset now. Oh, nothing or very little. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty incredible um, that, you know, that, that that's what it was like back then. And now it's like, holy smokes, trying to get a mortgage is, they want your firstborn, you know? But think about that for a second, because even that, when you say they're still in that house, that tells yeah. me that without you, they would still be renting. Chances are, if you hadn't entered their world and said, you can do this, they would still be renting without any net worth. And now they have- Yeah, it. you're probably right, yeah. So cheers to you, by the way. I hope they send well, you a gift every, every year at Christmas time. No, I just follow them on Facebook and comment on their kids and um, yeah, but I, I think it's just, it's pretty wild, you know, to think about that. Um, literally, they were like, I have no money. Well, you can still buy a house. Right. But <laughs> think about that. Anymore. Think about that from the real estate ownership perspective, though. I always hear this funny saying um, when people ask, when is the best time to buy real estate? 10 years ago. 10 years ago is the best time to buy real estate because it's always 10 years ago because it's always appreciating. Well, what's the second best mark right now? Right now. But if you look back 10 years and then you throw another 10 years on that, look at, I'm fascinated at what you have done for those people. And I hope they are truly eternally grateful. You don't need to, you don't I need mean, to comment. Oh, I you don't you know, need to about it like that you saying that you know it, it's funny to me that so many of them are still in the same house but I never looked at it from that view like well they're still in that same house and they possibly still be renting if they never had that maybe guidance if you will to say you can do this and kind of show them the way so or they didn't have you there to say hey why don't you buy an investment property hey why don't you sell that house right now and buy this house that you really want down the street because you're not there anymore and no one's yeah. service, no yeah. one's servicing them so all of your database who is li- who are listening to this are very lucky to have you because um you're you're a, you're a dream catcher 
you're uh, you're you're helping. I love that. So, what brought you to the South Shore of Boston? Um, this is where I grew up. This is my home. So I was born in Duxbury, lived there for a very short time, and then my family moved to Situate, and that's where I grew up. Um, went to school there, and then. Uh, you know, did the kind of usual, I traveled a little bit and like I said, went to Portland, Maine and Atlanta for a little bit and then came back to my home in 2008 and have been here ever since. And how are you finding the real estate market here on the South Shore of Boston from 2000 to today? And what do you see going forward? Go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was, what, what was that? What was the last part? Go. Oh, go, geez. Um, well, it was funny. So in 2008, when I came back here, um, the most difficult piece for me to adjust to is, you ready for this? Attorneys. Yeah, I believe it. So we didn't use attorneys for anything when I was selling in Maine and in Atlanta. So coming back here and getting into the real estate market, we use attorneys for everything. We lean on you guys for so much. And at the time I was, I remember thinking like, geez, I feel like this is kind of complicating things a little bit. You know, there's so many cooks in the kitchen and um, you know, it, it, it was just an adjustment because I wasn't used to that. Now I couldn't live without you guys. <laughs> I really couldn't. Now I look back and I'm like, holy smokes we did all that without an attorney, like that should be illegal. Right. But it wasn't, and it was all I knew. That's fascinating. Um, well, I'm glad you found good partners with the, the legal profession, because I know that that is challenging sometimes to find a good, strong referral partner that's, that's there for you. Um, well, tell us about your entry in in 2008. That wasn't a great time nationwide for real estate transactions. I think 2009 was the least amount of transactions in my career that happened. Sure. So I actually um, kind of came into the market um, in a unique situation, which I'll share. So in my transition from leaving Atlanta and moving back home to Situate, that's where I came to. Um, I went out to LA to go visit a friend of mine who had recently um, just finished wrapping The Bachelorette on ABC. Cool. You know that show? Yeah. Bachelor, Bachelorette or whatever. So uh, one of my best friends was actually the, the Bachelorette. So ABC flew me out to LA to go meet you know, the guy, if you will. So I'm out in LA and they're doing this shoot and there's camera people everywhere. And we're, we're all at the pool and there's camera crews around a bunch of people. And, you know, my friends are doing their thing. And this, you know, gentleman comes over and tells me, um, you know, his wife and his daughter followed the show, love Deanna and was hoping to get a photo. And I said, I'll do you one better. Why don't I take the photo? and you can get in it too. And he's like, oh, that's great. So 
anyhow, I take the photo. We got to talking. He starts asking, where are you from? I say Boston, because that's what we say, right? Um, he says, well, what part? And I said, the South Shore. I, I you know, grew up in the South Shore. He said, tell me more. You know, Where are you from? I said, well, I grew up in Situate. He said, I'm from Cohasset. I said, oh my gosh. And we got to talking and uh, turns out he knows my family who owns King Jewelers in Cohasset. Um, we immediately had a connection and he said, well, what, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm in real estate. He said, no way. Who do you work for? I said, well, I actually don't work for anybody yet because I'm just in transition from, you know, I just left Atlanta and moving back home to the South Shore. Um, I, I don't work for anybody. And he said, I'm in real estate. I work for a large company. He has a very successful business in the South Shore. And he hired me. He said, will you come work with me? I said, absolutely. So I get back from LA, um, reach out to him and immediately started working for him. Um, you know, he is successful at that time, you know, where the market was kind of struggling for everybody else. He was still running such a good successful business that um, I was right in the throes of a lot of transactions. So, um, you know, I didn't really feel per se what everybody else was feeling at that time um, because I was given that opportunity to work for, you know, a very successful team right out the gate. That's interesting. So now, we're, so you've since transitioned to William Ravis Real Estate in Norwell. How are you enjoying that transition? Uh, honestly, it was the best thing I ever did. I, um, you know, change can be scary, right? Um, I pride myself on loyalty and being loyal and, you know, switching companies was certainly a difficult um, decision to make, but looking back, it was 100% the best decision I ever made. You know, I live in Norwell, I'm married, we have six children, um, I'm rooted here in the community. For, six. For, for, the, for, the, for the listeners again, I... What did you just say? Six, six children. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's a natural fit for me to be here in Norwell, um, you know, where I'm raising my family and my children are, you know, in the schools here and playing sports here. And these are where my, you know, my friends are. And um, it, it's been great. I'm absolutely loving it. So what do you see in the years to come? So we were talking a little bit about goal setting and such, but where do you see this inventory, this scarcity, this real estate market going? Do we see the gates opening up and, or do we see a little uh, the, bit of the same old? The loaded question, right? Everybody yeah. asks. I think I have this conversation on a daily basis. Um, you know, I think everybody's got their own opinion on what they see coming. Um, if we all had a crystal ball, that would be that would be great. We'd, um, you know, all be in, in a good spot. But I honestly think that my take on certainly COVID hit us all pretty hard. But I think the 
greatest thing that came, or one of the greatest things that came out of COVID specifically for the South Shore is that I feel like we really got recognized throughout COVID. So you've got, you know, one of the reasons we were so busy and had such big years here is because we saw such an influx of people coming out of the city who were paying huge numbers to either rent or own there. And they had very little space, like smaller square footage, no yards or places to kind of run around and breathe. And so I feel like we got such a big push out of the city, down here to the South Shore. And what I'm seeing now is, you know, people are still coming this way out of the city. You know, word is spreading and people are saying, oh my gosh, come down to Norwell, come down to Marshfield, come to Situate, you know, Cohasset, Hingham, all these areas. You get so much more for your money. You get bigger houses, amazing school systems, um, still, you know, close to the city. So people are able to, if they do have to commute back into the city, um, it's not that far. And as we know, a lot of people are um, able to work from home nowadays. Um, so maybe they're only going into the city one or two days a week. So unfortunately, inventory is still so limited, right? Um, that you know, it can be a struggle for buyers, but I think value-wise, I think, you know, our values are going to hold strong and continue to increase, maybe not so dramatically like we saw over the last 18 months, but I certainly do not see that values will drop anytime in the near future. We just wow. need to get more sellers to pull the trigger. Right. Right. And it's, it's, it's so interesting what you're saying with the, the influx and this surprise, look at what a beautiful area of the country is right, right under your nose. And now you can, you can share it with us. So going back to my econ 101 classes, I don't know how prices can drop if people are still demanding those houses, right? So they, right. they can't, right? I mean, that's, I'm saying it right here, January 4th, 2022, prices can't drop. They're only going to continue to go up in these sought after areas of which you represent. So congratulations to you. So how do we open up more inventory though? How do we, how do we get uh, folks to kind of move around more? Because it's really about recycling, right? It's, it's maybe upside, downsize change states, you know, um, yes. real so, estate investors, where are they in this? So I think what I've found is there are so many homeowners who want to sell, but there's a couple struggles, right? One, where do I go? It's, you know, I, I get that all the time. Hey, how much is my house worth? And I'll say, this is what your house is worth. And then I say, but where are you going to go? Do you have a, you know, are your kids out of the school where you can move to another location or out of state? Do you have a second home? You know, we kind of run through all of those things. Um, you know, people need a place to go and rentals are, are hard to find. And, um, but one of the bigger challenges I'm finding is that people are overwhelmed with the thought process of 
actually moving. Like I've been in this house for so long and they have so much stuff or they need repairs. The house needs this, the house needs that. You know, I, I can't possibly imagine having to go through this whole house of things and what am I gonna do with it? And so I have found that one of the things that has made me, I guess, so successful is I do a lot of that for my clients, start to finish, from helping them go through their stuff, providing resources, you know, on places who can actually come to the house and pick certain things up, giving them referrals for pods or, you know, dumpster companies. I have crews that will come and remove things. I'll take care of that. Um, just sometimes I, I honestly will spend years talking with people and helping them kind of navigate the process to get them ready to actually sell. Because it, it takes time and it's stressful and it's, it can be overwhelming, but I think with the proper guidance and help, we can make that a lot easier. I think a lot of people get into the business thinking, you know, it's a it's a quick sale, right? Boom, boom, your house is worth this. Let's go. Let's get it on the market. Rah, rah, boom, commission, exit, next. But um, you you bring up- I'm a, rolling my eyes, Mark. I'm I know. My eyes. For all of the, of the <laughs> listeners, yes. Um, TV uh, does not do you any justice there. But um, picking stuff up, you mentioned that. And I think- that is so important because I think you could easily have that conversation with someone that says, Hey, listen, the market is speaking right now. You don't have mm -hmm. to fix your roof. Let's simply disclose. We have an old roof. You don't have yeah. to repaint, right? They can do this with their own eyes. And, and frankly, they're probably going to want to paint it a different color than you, but picking up stuff and making certain that my memories, my belongings land in mm -hmm. good hands is so critical to a lot of people. So I agree with what you've said with the exception of, I don't care if your house is $250,000 or $2.5 million. Um, for me, I look at each property the same in the sense that my goal for you or for my, you know, for my sellers, again, 250 or 2.5 million or whatever yeah. is to get you the most amount of money possible for your house. And also to put a home on the market that makes you feel good and makes you feel, um, you know, it's a vulnerable time when you open up your house for sale right you're now putting that out there for everybody to see so me as an agent it's important to me to showcase your home so that you feel good about that right so i'll give you an example so this week um i met with a, a new client about two weeks ago actually for the first time and you know she said I, I would like you to put my house on the market right after the holidays. And I said, okay, well, first things first is let's, let me come down. Let me take a look at your house. So I, I go and I meet her and she's lovely and she's, you know, got a couple little kids and, you know, works full time. And, um, her house is lovely, 
but you know there was things like for instance her one of her walls in her kitchen she was thinking about painting so she painted two strips of different colors on the wall and I said oh are you going to be painting in here and she said honestly it's been like that for a long time I don't have the time I'm, I'm not going to be able to get it done and I'm thinking to myself oh gosh well I really don't want to put the house on the market with you know two giant different colored paint on the wall so the plan was she was going away for a week so instead of me putting the house right on the market I took four days I'm actually in the in the middle of it right now I brought in my painter and had him paint the whole uh three quarters of the first floor just a neutral color just to brighten it up clean it up I brought in um, I love to go through somebody's house. I've been through so many building inspections in my lifetime that I know exactly for the most part what people are going to look at, right? So I go through kind of from like an inspector's point of view. I'm checking drains to make sure they work properly. I'm looking for, you know, broken hinges or, you know, anything that I can, um, you know, pick up on myself ahead of time. I bring in a handyman and have him go through the house and make some repairs like outlet covers, you know, on the exterior that are allowing water to get in. I just replace it, broken dryer vents. I just replace it. A lot of these things aren't huge expensive items and I can have, you know, pay a handyman to be there for one day and button all that up and take all those little tiny nitpicky things off of an inspection. So they, they're not even mentioned, you know? So in fact, I have a handyman there today doing all those things. Um, so meanwhile, she's away. I've got painters in there. Uh, they just wrapped up yesterday. Handyman there today. Once we're done on this call, I'm gonna head back down there. I'm gonna bring in some nice staging items. We'll have a, you know, a deep clean done on the house and she'll come home. Her house will have been listed professional photography and it's gonna look like a million bucks. And, you know, I think that taking that off of somebody's plate is so huge. You know, I, I was actually yesterday thinking about it. I'm like, man, I'd like to go away and have somebody come in and repaint my house <laughs> and go through, you know, my stuff, you know, I'm organizing cabinets and um, just making it look just fresh and clean. I bought some new light fixtures and, you know, just little things like that really, I think, go a long way and make it so that it's a, you know, a house I'm really proud to present on the market and also have my seller be just so proud of the house that, you know, is, is going to be going on the market. So do, you think, good. so do you think that's a big obstacle for a lot of people that just, it, that it's so overwhelming. There's so much to do yes. and I don't know where to even begin and there's not enough professionals like you guiding them in that direction i know for a fact that that's that's the problem and that's why i do what i do because right. being able to take all of that off of somebody's plate is so huge um it really is as long as the seller is open to having people come through their house and having somebody like me just take control um, which some people wouldn't be comfortable with that. And, and, you know, I would say 
90% are because they're like, oh my gosh, just do it. Absolutely. You'll take care of it. I'm like, yep, I'll take care of everything. And they're like, great. And then there's some people who are like, oh, you know, like a little bit more private and they don't want people going through their stuff. Um, but, but I see that that 10% is, is typically more common with um, the older generation, right. you know, cause they've got all these things and stuff that they, you know, need to take their time to go through. And that's not something that they want me doing for them. Does that make sense? It does. And then it takes a lot longer because the, the analysis paralysis kicks in. Now there's an inherent risk with you doing that though. I mean, there's a financial risk, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> you mean for, for, yeah. I mean, there always is. And I've, you know, <sighs> I feel like sometimes the risk is just worth it. You know, the risk is definitely for me worth the reward. Sometimes I've done this to people's houses and then things change and circumstances change and, you know, whatever, and, and they don't end up selling, but, um, and, and that's okay. Um, it doesn't happen often, but I've had it happen before. Um, but I would say for me, the the majority of, you know, the homes that I've gone through and, and done this to, to get it ready to sell. Those people are so grateful. Their houses sell, they sell fast, they sell for above asking, you know, I make sure that, you know, it goes as smooth as possible, you know, little to none headaches. And, um, and they're so grateful at the end that that's kind of how I build my business. They refer me and that's, um, the best thing you can ask for, right? A successful transaction and and having those clients refer you after that. You know, it's funny you and you say that. And we were talking about investing in the business. Like this is a unique form of investment. Has anyone come back from the vacation and said, "Oh, I love my new house. I'm staying. Why would I move?" Yes, now? <laughs> yes. They don't actually, but I would say uh, people come back. Uh, and they say, oh my gosh, it looks so good. Now I don't want to sell. Um, they do, they do end up selling, but it's, you know, it's a feel good thing, right? You, you come home and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks so good. And, you know, just somebody with a little bit different vision, right? You know, it's when it's your own house. I mean, I'm looking around at my own house and I'm like, oh gosh, like those shelves are a disaster, you know, but I can go into somebody else's house and really just make it look awesome. And I love that. That's awesome. That's, a, that's amazing. It's unique, right? It's, it's unique. And that's what separates um, professionals from one another. Let me ask you this question. So at the end of a transaction, whether it's a buyer or a seller, um, oftentimes people would write a review. They'll go on Google, they'll go on your Facebook page, they'll go on Yelp, they'll go somewhere. What is a review sound like after working with right. Melissa McNamara? Well, for starters, I need to be better about asking people to write reviews. That's going to be, I'm going to add that to the list of 2022. There you go. Um, because, you know, the, the, the phone calls and the hugs and the texts are awesome, but um, I should get that more out there and online. Um, anyway, I guess the best review I would say is that my clients feel 
like I just handled everything start to finish that they felt no, um, you know, real worry or um, like just that they felt like I, I took care of them and made sure that the entire transaction was smooth. Um, I think that, you know, it's really important as a real estate agent um, to protect our clients throughout a transaction. Um, you know, there's oftentimes, as you know, right, a lot of drama that will go on. Um, a lot of many little fires will spark throughout a transaction that, um, you know, instead of being quick to jump and say, oh, well, this is, you know, this is what's going on. And, you know, filling your client in on some of those details, um, are sometimes unnecessary, right? Like sometimes they don't need to know all the little things that, you know, could potentially cause a disaster. Um, I like to, if there's a problem, there's a solution, right? For the most part. So no problems, only solutions. Give me 24 hours, let me fix it. If it's a real problem, I'll inform my client, but I would say nine times out of 10, it can be fixed and resolved and they don't need to know all the little things that um, potentially could have been a problem. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I, I, I love the philosophy, obviously it's person to person, but you know, why stress them out more with things that are going to be solved in 24 hours? Right. Right. How many times have you done, you know, got the title work back and there's been, you know, a discharge like that wasn't recorded or, and you guys are amazing. You're able to track it down, get it recorded, fix the problem and it's over. And it was a non-issue. Right. And you know, at the time it's like, oh, geez, we got to track this down or that bank's no longer in existence. I mean, you guys do this all the time, but you fix it you resolve the problem and it's a non-issue. So why it's stressful enough selling your house, right? Or buying a house. Some of this stuff, I just think it's our job to just resolve and fix and handle and keep everybody happy and as, you know, cause the least amount of stress as possible. Well, I think that's what defines a professional versus a salesperson right? That's the professional who says, I'm going to guide you to success as opposed to, boom, contract signed, moving on. What's next? That's not happening. Uh, No, no. Well, Melissa, I really appreciate you coming on the show and and expanding that comfort zone, you know, coming onto a podcast really, really pushes that comfort zone out a little bit. And you know what else expands the comfort zone, Melissa? Uh, what? Karaoke. And I love, you know, I love karaoke. And one of the things we want to do with this group, all of the guests that we've had on the show is bring them together in a networking setting. And during that networking setting, that icebreaker setting, that expand your comfort zone setting, we're going to have karaoke. What are you going to sing, Melissa? So I don't sing. That's the thing. (laughs) I, I do. I assure you, I do not sing well at all but i couldn't do it that's 
part of the fun, right? So I think karaoke is about 30% skill, 70% stage presence. Like like seventy percent alcohol, maybe. Maybe a little alcohol <laughs> to loosen things up, but you know, getting the out only there, way you're getting me up there. Bringing in the crowd, the crowd oh singing God. along with you, the oxytocin's flowing, and you're out there on stage, throwing your hands up in the air and wave them like you just don't uh, care. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm picturing it. Yep. All of your friends looking up at you, going, "You're awesome." See, I'd have to be in like a group setting. I could never do it solo. I don't, I don't think I've ever done karaoke solo in my life. Really? I'd have to just like follow somebody else's lead and maybe be like a backup singer or like dancer or something. But you've never <laughs> done a podcast until now. So now there's Correct. all these new, new things. So now right. picture this, you're in the situation and you must, and you have to. Melissa, you're up. What are you singing? Oh, all right. Uh, bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. Yes. Final answer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Such a great song, such a classic song. And, and it's one that the crowd will know. So they'll be singing it with you, supporting you, and it'll be great. I it's can't the only wait. way I could do it. Well, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and sharing your wisdom because you have a lot of it. The most important question of all the questions that I'm going to ask today is, how do people get in touch with you, Melissa? Oh, 24-7. You can call me, text me, email me. Uh, my email is my name, which is melissa.mcnamara at ravis.com, R-A-V-E-I-S. Um, and my cell phone number is 781 9503 call text anytime i i always say if i don't answer somebody else will that's so nice. i assure you i will answer that's nice and folks if you're listening on any platform spotify stitcher america uh, itunes apple podcast those contacts will be in the show notes so you can click right through and give melissa a call and say how much is my house worth? I'm ready to sell. Sound good? Perfect. Awesome. Melissa, and, and thanks I'll again. Clean it and paint it. <laughs> you clean it and paint it too. Awesome. <laughs> Melissa, thank you very much. I know you got to get down there and, and uh, polish up that house and get it out there on the market and add to this inventory that we need so desperately. Yes. So, thanks for fun. having me. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitidal. Securitidal helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Securitidal, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. 
This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.